Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy, dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. I'm Mandy Walker, and I'm your host. Consider this. Your diamond ring, bridal set, or other diamond jewelry can be a hidden financial asset that helps you with that fresh start. But selling jewelry can be a nightmare. Worthy offers an easy, headache-free solution by partnering with you to help you sell your jewelry and get the best deal on your piece. Our quick and easy process means less work for you and more money when you sell, all done from the comfort of your home. Visit worthy.com to learn more. For this episode, we're talking about divorcing an alcoholic, which is never easy And oftentimes, the challenges continue long after the decree, especially if you have children. My guest today is celebrity divorce attorney Stacey Phillips. Stacey has twice divorced herself, and she has over 37 years of professional experience, so she truly has a lifetime of stories to tell. However, through all of her professional success, she never expected or foresaw the level of heartache and headache that she'd personally experienced in divorcing an alcoholic. It's a traumatic time in her life, which she gleaned many lessons, and she's here to share those lessons with us today. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you for having me. I wanted to just start off by asking you, at what point did you realize that your husband was an alcoholic? I learned he was an alcoholic long before we got married. So people say, what the heck did you do? Why'd you marry him? (laughs) And that's because I thought he solved the problem before we got married. And for the three months before our wedding, he was prepping for trial in another state. So I didn't see him except for one weekend. I had no clue he had resumed drinking. So he had gone through a very significant withdrawal before we got married and had doctors and had stopped and was much healthier. And that's what I saw and understood. If I had known that he had resumed, I hope I had would have had the strength not to get married. Right. And so he recognized that he had a drinking problem himself? That's always very tricky with an alcoholic or an addict. The first thing they teach you in any recovery program or AA In AA, you say, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict. When he was at Betty Ford, and I, it was in the summer, in July. So just imagine my going there every Sunday and for a week in, you know, 116 degree heat. He thanked me for putting him in Betty Ford after he was in the hospital for six days. And shortly after he got out, it was the gulag and I was vilified for doing it. And so I don't think he ever truly admitted and recognized that he had a problem such that he needed to deal with it. I believe at certain points he admitted it. He certainly did while at Betty Ford, but he realized he had a problem. He wasn't able to deal with it and made choices. And it's a disease. And I get those choices as much as I hated them. He chose to continue to drink and he eventually died. Um, Wow. I was kind of, I'm sorry that he's passed away. I was wondering when I was asking that question, you know, there's this debate about at what point does drinking become 
an alcoholic. And I've heard some people say, oh, when does it become an issue in the marriage? When would it warrant divorce? And I was kind of curious about how you talk to your clients about that. So you've actually asked three questions. Let me try to (laughs) sort them out. The first one is, when did I know he was an alcoholic in our relationship? And I learned that, as I said, long before we got married, but thought he had addressed it. He was a functional alcoholic until he wasn't. And his daily, like you might take a little baby aspirin to prevent heart attacks, he would take his drinks. And that was his normal until it was too much or he tried to cut back. And that's when things went haywire. So through my relationship with him, I went through seven withdrawals, a seizure, hospitalization, withdrawals at home with special nurses, et cetera. Where did it reach the point while we were married where I said no mas? I went through the sixth withdrawal. Then he started to drink again. And when I confronted him, I said, I will go through one more withdrawal with you. I will get you through that. And then either you stay sober and I'm here to support you, or I'm drawing the line in the sand and we're done. When I realized that he was drinking again after I drew the line in the sand and confronted him, I came home to a note written by two drunk people, a person who he, my former friend, he had an affair with and eventually married and then died because she encouraged the drinking and I didn't. I had no chance, but I hope I would have been strong enough to follow through on that drawing the line in the sand. But when you're married to an addict or an alcoholic or in a relationship with an addict or an alcoholic, it's not your child, as an example. You have learned hopefulness as opposed to learned helplessness, where sort of like in cycles of domestic violence, they promise they're going to be better. You think they're going to get better. You see the light at the end of the tunnel, and then there's a new tunnel. And at some point, you hopefully draw the line in the sand. In domestic violence, people will split up or move out seven, eight times before they finally do it. And it's very similar in living with or having a relationship with an addict or alcoholic, in my experience. How much do you think it plays in that we we have in our mindset that we take these wedding vows that we're committing to this person in sickness and in health? And now we know that alcoholism is, or alcohol abuse is a sickness. Mm -hmm. So- how do you, at what point do you say, I can't keep my wedding vows anymore and I have to save myself? I can't stay in this relationship, even if it means breaking my wedding vows. Well, interestingly, I'm Jewish, so those were not my wedding vows. Okay. But I still think of them as wedding vows. And somebody very near and dear to me explained that my, I call it codependency, was I didn't enable by covering for him or hiding things. Because I was incredibly vigilant and I was very assertive, but my need as part of my character to take care of and solve a problem, give me a problem, I'll solve it. And I'm not going to run away from solving a problem. You're a fake I, I could do this. I could manage this. WTF what I was thinking <laughs> because I couldn't, but I thought I could. And that brings me to my theory of two plus one intervention You do an intervention on the alcoholic or the addict once or twice, and then you do it on the spouse. 
Because if my friends or family as a group sat me down one off, I can push back. I'm pretty strong, actually very strong and roll, steamroll over them. But if a group got together and explained what they saw that I didn't see or didn't want to see, I would have handled things very differently. And it's taken me a long time to sort of think that through and figure out how that could really help people who are partners so that you do draw the line in the sand and move on with your life. And any wedding vows, you look anywhere in the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, you're not supposed to kill yourself or somebody else. Jewish religion, if you choose to be kosher, you violate that. If it's because you made a mistake or you can't do it for health reasons, you have a past. It is not that you, in essence, commit suicide to take care of somebody else. But where you figure that out, how long it takes, it'll be a while. Yeah. Yeah. Stacey, I have lots more questions for you, but we need to take a short break right now. Listeners, okay. my guest today is celebrity divorce attorney Stacy Phillips. Stacy has seen it all professionally, prenups, postnups, massive private settlements. But she's here today with us to share her own experience with divorcing an alcoholic. You're listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. We'll be right back. Do stay tuned. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your ring from a symbol of the past to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything, from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, visit worthy.com. We're ready when you are. Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker, and in this episode, we're talking about divorcing an alcoholic. My guest today is celebrity divorce attorney Stacey Phillips. With 37 years of professional experience at the highest level, Stacey is recognized for so many accomplishments. However, she's here today on a much more personal level. She's sharing her own heartbreaking story about divorcing an alcoholic. Welcome back, Stacey. I wanted to ask you then, like when you did make the decision to end your marriage, how did that feel to you? Well, interestingly, I had drawn the line in the sand. And before I could effectuate it, I came home to this note written by two drunk people. So the decision was made for me, you? which was not necessarily the way it should have played out because then it made me feel guilty. And again, wanting to solve the problem that he had resumed drinking. So I would hope that people who do draw the line in the sand, they draw it much sooner and they effectuate it much sooner. So in the end, it was your husband who decided to end the marriage. Can you say a little bit more about the guilt that you felt then? That I couldn't solve the problem, the guilt for not being able to make him well and feeling like I did something wrong as he went into attack mode which of course I didn't understand at all because you can criticize me for a lot of things, but how I took care of him and how I fought for the marriage and how I tried to get him healthy, I did nothing wrong with that. It's really hard to have a marriage when there are three people in the marriage, the bottle, the husband, and the wife. Right, right. And when you have 
clients come to potential clients come to you or new clients come to you and say the their spouse is an alcoholic or has alcohol use problems and they're thinking about ending their marriage what advice do you give them i ask them questions about their experience if there've been any efforts to try to solve the problem and then i tell them you know what life is going to be like i am particularly concerned if their children involved because getting the court's assistance in protecting children sometimes things get lost in the translation and somebody may not have a dui and may not be a drunk or an addict in front of other people and you have to tell certain stories and then hope to god that the court will restrict their driving insist on a monitor but not every judge does that and i can't tell you how many parents i know more often moms who will not get divorced actually dads too who will not get divorced for a long time because they figure if they're home they can protect their children if they're in a divorce they can't and, and the children are going to be spending some of their time absolutely with that other parent and that means that they're exposed to being in a car with that parent driving that is absolutely correct unless the court sets up a monitor or restricts the driving or as it puts a key lock on the car or a breathalyzer there's lots of things that can be done but not every judge will do it and not every story as told as the story is as compelling as the actual life experience things get lost in the translation and it's really expensive to litigate so some people stay married until they just can't anymore right does it make a difference if the other party has admitted that they're aware that they have alcohol use issues well it certainly helps when somebody owns it but then are they going to do something about it are they going to get the help they need and follow through on that help and not relapse and not minimize it i mean i've been around so many clients or cases not my clients generally where they may acknowledge it but i've got it under control i'm fine i don't need to go to aa i don't need to have a doctor i can do this and then they can't you need a real big support system and dealing with alcoholism or addiction it's a disease it's really really hard and as they say in a you know in aa one day at a time because that's what's necessary and you can be sober for 30 years and then fall off the wagon and you start all over again. What do you I'm curious about the people who do get divorced because they think that that's the the healthiest move that they can make for themselves. How do they separate themselves from that other party and not get sucked into still taking care of them? I encourage my clients to have a therapist and especially and it may be two one who specializes in addiction right to help with that cuz it's really hard and if you're in a relationship with somebody they know how to push your buttons your good ones and your bad ones and they'll go push away and you had talked earlier about the importance of friends and a support network and then i was just thinking too though oftentimes the problem with the drinking is a might be invisible to the outside world it might be but generally speaking it's not so invisible not always um and that's why i said this uh, 2+1 intervention normally people 
friends, family, people they work with will see things that you don't see if you're the spouse. And you need to open up to those around you. I remember the father of my children said to me, you know, I knew he was drinking. I could spell it on his breath on you know, Saturdays when I came and got the kids. And I said, why didn't you tell me? Because I couldn't smell it. I just couldn't. And I made my friends and family swear to me that if they saw him drinking again, after he had a seizure and was hospitalized and went to Betty Ford, that they would tell me. And a few months later, my parents came to me and said, you made us promise, and this is what we think. And I said, you're absolutely right. I figured it out a few weeks ago. I'm working on it, but thank you. And I know that was really scary for my parents. I was going to say, that must have been hard for your parents to do that. Yep. Yep. They loved him. I loved him. But he had a disease he was not able to manage. Right. Right. And then what is the sort of support that your friends can give you, your friends and family can give you as you're working through the end of your marriage? Well, that's a balance. I generally tell people not to talk too much as you're going through a divorce because then things get spread around and your girlfriend will tell her husband who will tell your spouse or the flip side. I'm a firm believer in having a therapist, having a therapist or a consultant or a coach or something, whatever you call it, who has experience with addiction, maybe your best friend, share things. But this is not high school where you get on the phone and you talk about it to everybody who will listen. How many times have you been around somebody where you'll go out to dinner and they'll still be grousing about their spouse and you think, oh, they're just getting divorced and you find out they've been divorced for 20 years? <laughs> I, I certainly have experienced that. You need a support system to help you sort of re-enter the world. Use your friends to have fun with, not to drag them down and complain about your divorce. Live your life and use your team who's helping you get through the divorce your coach, your therapist, your lawyer, to help you with the business of it. All right. So you don't need to process everything that happens with your friends, You, like you said. Please do not. <laughs> do not. You will have no more friends left. You'll just exhaust your friends. You at the beginning, one session, they'll give you a hug. And after that, they don't want to hear it. And they can't help. And then they feel like they can't solve the problem and that they're letting you down. And then they'll run. You'll have no, no friends. Just go live your life with them. Go out to dinner with them. Go have fun and do not be a broken record talking about that silly divorce. <laughs> so, Stacey, we're almost up on time. Is there anything else? If, if one of our listeners here is, is listening and thinking, yeah, my spouse has a drinking problem and I've known it for a long time, what would you tell them their next move should be? And that's probably difficult. I know I'm kind of like dumping that on you and you've got no background, no context. No, and- that's right. I can, no, I, I can do this. Start meeting with a therapist to take your power back, preferably one who understands addiction, and go meet with a divorce lawyer. It may scare the daylights out of you and it may be too soon, but education, knowledge is power. Start learning. Start educating yourself. And it may take you a while. I had one person who sat with me and I said to her, if you do not move forward with your divorce, you will be dead. Actually, I could tell you two stories. A few mo- weeks later, she called me from Vegas in the hospital because her addict husband beat the crap out of her because he was an addict. 
And eventually we came back, we went to court and we got restraining orders. He was not allowed to see the children. It was very protected. I had another client who I said the same thing to. I then went out to drinks with her with another lawyer who had referred her to me. And eventually we went to court and got domestic violence restraining orders. And he had done horrible things to her. And I equate in both of those situations, domestic violence and addiction, because the ramifications are very similar. And in California, domestic violence is not necessarily physical. So dealing with an alcoholic or an addict, it's a form of emotional abuse. In California, it's called interfering with one's emotional calm, and that's domestic violence. Right. Tough topic to talk about, Stacey. Absolutely. Tough topic to live through. Right. Absolutely. And I just wanted to say something else, too, is like I think often I would imagine oftentimes people will come to you and they won't necessarily act right away. It's like the person who's in a, a situation with domestic violence, it often takes them, as we said, seven times to leave before they leave for good. But that's okay. I've had discussions with clients. It's taken, you know, many, many weeks or months before they start to open up, partly out of trust, partly because once they say it actually means something. And also, people tend to bury it down. And over time, when you ask enough questions, then they reveal it. And you've got to pull. You've got to keep pulling that thread. It's really hard. And so if, if our listeners, if they've already had a consult with an attorney, don't be afraid to go back. You won't Absolutely. be the first client who comes back after a month and says, well, I'm thinking more than that. Or a year. Right. Yeah. The, this is a, a huge challenge, and it takes people time to work through it. Absolutely. And do the work. Yeah. Stacey, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. Listeners, my guest today was celebrity divorce attorney Stacey Phillips. Twice divorced herself and with over 37 years of professional experience, Stacey truly has a lifetime of stories to tell. I'm so grateful to her for joining us today and talking to us about her personal experience with divorcing an alcoholic. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to help you get the best deal possible on your diamond jewelry. Visit worthy.com to learn more and get started. If you have questions about an episode, compliments you'd like to share, or would like to be a guest, please email us at podcast at worthy.com. Follow the podcast at We Are So Worthy on Instagram or see our Facebook page, Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, for information about the show. Please see our show notes at worthy.com forward slash podcast for resources and more information about today's episode and guest. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. You can learn more about me at mandywalker.com. Huge thank yous to Worthy's production team. Listen, follow, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Our next episode will be live in two weeks, so stay tuned.